get wise, get up and get out. Get rid of that frown that's been dragging you down and get up in the air. Just pretend that you can fly. You'll never know if you can till you try. Hi, and welcome to Cannabis Helps Dementia. I'm Chella. I'm Dave. And right up front, we'd like to say that we're not doctors or medical professionals, and nothing you hear in this podcast should be considered medical advice. Uh, right. We're not experts, but throughout this podcast series, you'll hear from doctors, nurses, research scientists, administrators, other caregivers, and people living with dementia about how cannabis helps. Like it did for our family. That's right. (laughs) After my mom was diagnosed with dementia, we were thrust into family caregiving and became fierce advocates for people living with dementia, which is how we met Gary and Becky Beal who lived with dementia for many years before getting relief with cannabis medicine. We met Gary and learned about his wife, Becky, at an exciting medical cannabis conference in Northern California. It was produced by a franchisee of a well-known national caregiving chain and a big hospital in the area. I was thrilled to know that these organizations were bold enough to host the symposium. So off we went. This symposium was a big deal because cannabis is still on the Controlled Substances Act, Schedule 1 of drugs. Which means that cannabis is still federally illegal and cannot be used at any facility that gets federal funds like Medicare reimbursements without threatening the licensing of those facilities. Seventy years of prohibitionist propaganda has really warped people's beliefs about plant medicine, and federal laws make it so that most doctors and federally funded institutions won't even talk about CBD, the non-intoxicating component of cannabis that seems to be everywhere. There's a remarkable residential care facility in Santa Rosa that is on the leading edge of helping people living with dementia. And even they don't like talking about plant medicine publicly. They've been legally but quietly using cannabis medicine with their residents for 15 years. Let's get into our time with Gary talking about his family's experience and how cannabis helped Becky's journey with dementia. Uh, My wife, Becky, has been uh, at a memory care institution here in Santa Rosa for three years. And just prior to, and she, at that, when she was put into the institution, she had had Alzheimer's for about five years. And uh, the, the event that put her there is that she had some sort of a psychotic break. That's sort of my layman's description. But her meds had become increasingly unstable, or she had become increasingly unstable on her meds, and she kind of... I guess the technical term is flipped out and uh, just got very violent and we didn't know what to do with her and uh, finally got her into the ER and she was in the hospital for 38 days. While they were trying to get her meds under control and figure out how to get her back into some sort of a manageable condition. But it was clear to us at that point that she needed to be institutionalized. And we were fortunate enough to uh, find Primrose. And I think they took a little bit of a risk with her because we had found that when institutions discovered that she had been violent, they were pretty cherry about, you know, what does this really mean and do we want to be involved? Um, But the executive director and the head of care um, at Primrose came down and evaluated her and they said, look, we're willing to take a chance on her. Anyway. So uh, she was at Primrose for uh, approximately a year, but her agitation started to creep back up. 
Um, in the meantime, her psychiatrist retired, and um, so when the when the meds were starting to, when her agitation was starting to challenge the meds, I counseled with the people at Primrose, and they said, "Well, we are working with a new uh, geriatric psychiatrist here, who has some more creative ways of trying to address uh, the needs of Alzheimer's patients." Uh, would you like to talk with him? I said, yeah, absolutely. So I met with a Dr. Philip Grobe, and I like Grobe immediately. And um, he, I don't know if he would use this phrase to describe himself, but my phrase is he's kind of the radical priest of marijuana up here. And um, so we had a conversation, and uh, he wasn't a kid. I mean, was, this guy's probably in his late 40s or early 50s. And he said, all right, so your wife is starting to manifest more symptoms of agitation. We could up her current dosage. But he said, quite frankly, her current meds have some fairly nasty side effects. And he said, I would prefer not to do that. He says, if that's what you want to do, you, you know, you have power attorney, you're her caregiver. Uh, but if you're open to it, I'd like to explore some alternatives. And I said, sure, what do you, you mean, talk to me. He said, well, I've had a lot of um, success with Alzheimer's patients who become agitated. And uh, so I'd like to start her on a low dose of um, marijuana. I was completely unfamiliar with marijuana. I'm not a marijuana user myself. And I said, sure, what do I do? And he says, well, I'll give you a prescription. And you go into one of the medical marijuana pharmacies. And you'll have to purchase it yourself. But here's the dosage and it's going to be chocolate so it's just going to be something that she'll eat and her appetite's good and we uh, great let's do it so i find myself in a, <laughs> a pot store you know kind of an unfamiliar territory for me and uh, they're very helpful and, and they fill that and i take it in and to primrose and primrose um, is, is a non-medical care facility they're a care facility not a medical facility so any, any meds that they administer have to be doctor-recommended. Uh, and so she started taking marijuana on a, on a daily basis, and immediately her agitation came down. Immediately? Immediately. Yeah, I was probably in a day or two. Um, but she didn't kind of bliss out. It wasn't like I lost her. Well, that's a, that's a more complicated story. But in terms of her just sort of deadening, she didn't deaden. The, the degree of personality that she had, she still kept, but the agitation got stripped away. And um, so she has been taking a daily dose of marijuana for about the last two years. And um, I've been quite pleased with the fact that um, her appetite stays really good. In the first a year of her being at the facility, she lost about 40 pounds. Mm. But she had put on 40 pounds because she had been on Prozac. She'd always been very slender her whole life. And there's probably a variety of reasons why she had the medical, uh, why the weight issues. But um, she had ballooned up to about 160 and she came down to about 120 in that first year. And then it's been very, very stable ever since. And her Alzheimer's um, has basically been flat. Mm. Now, uh, to, to be frank, um, early on, the decision 
not decision, wrong word. Early on, it became apparent that she was different than most of the people in the facility. And I had noticed that, but what do I know about Alzheimer's? Um, but partway through her first year, the um, care director, who was also a nurse, that's incidental to his job, but he's a nurse, uh, he said, you know, we really don't think she has Alzheimer's. Really? This, this is brand new to me, because she had been diagnosed at the UC Med Center, but she was diagnosed at 55, and they said, that's more common with FTD. So that was the first thing. Second thing is that a lot of Alzheimer's sufferers keep their social skills. My experience was a lot of people in the, uh, in the facility there, they'll chat you up and they'll come see how you're doing, what's happening, what's going on, and it's only after a while you notice that they're repeating themselves or asking questions or asking when the car is going to arrive and what car are we talking about here. And, but their social skills are pretty good. Anyhow, with FTD, your, their affective skills tend to, fit, tend to slip away. And Becky, who's master's educated, uh, corporate trainer and consultant, really good social skills, got pretty flat pretty fast. Okay, this is before the marijuana. Um, so that was the second symptom, that they tend to lose their affective interaction. Then the third symptom is that they develop a funny gait. Mm. And to use the technical term, they kind of walk like zombies. Mm -hmm. Okay, And I had noticed that she walked with this really wide stance, kind of a herky-jerky kind of... Well, all of those are more consonant with the diagnosis of FTD. Right. And so they said, you know, you never know without an autopsy, but we're, we're pretty sure that she does not have Alzheimer's. We're pretty sure she has FTD. And of course, FTD is similar to Alzheimer's in that you lose your memory, there's no treatment, and everybody dies. Yeah. So for the last year and a half, she's been very stable, basically no change in her um, presenting symptoms. Now... Does the marijuana answer for that? I don't know. I mean, you know, this is very unscientific because they didn't, these other people that they're talking about weren't on marijuana, but Becky was sort of declining, and then about the time we gave her marijuana was about the time she flattened out. And that's been pretty solid. Yeah, she, that, that has not really shifted much in the last uh, pretty close to two years. Okay, so... What does that mean? You know, one of the things that they're consistent in saying is that if you've seen one Alzheimer's patient, you've seen one Alzheimer's patient. And they say, you know, don't, we don't want to extrapolate curves based on a really limited sample here. So the real answer is we don't know. And I get that. How do you think she's enjoying her every day to day? So it's a wonderful question. So, um, you know, as a spouse of, a, of an Alzheimer's sufferer, if I can use that term, you know, uh, Alzheimer's just generically speaking, um, you know, the, the reality of the situation distills on you over time. Your brain sort of says, gosh, my spouse has Alzheimer's, but the real meaning of that only becomes apparent over time. So after she got committed and she moved out and we were living together here, uh, I missed her enormously. But she was a different person after she was committed. She'd lost basically her social skills, her interaction, her ability to communicate very much. And it was like, 
what kind of life is this? You know, is this the kind of life she would want to live? She was, she had told friends, if I ever get like that, and she would refer to people that were impaired, she says, you know, push me off a cliff. You know, I do not, I didn't, that is not how I want to live my life. Um, but we didn't have as, as um, explicit a conversation about end-of-life things as we could have. I and mean, we had a medical care directive and all this kind of stuff. But I'm smarter now mm -hmm. about how explicit about certain kinds of things you might want to talk with a loved one about in terms of end-of-life things. Mm -hmm. We didn't go there. So for that first year, it was like, gosh, does she want to live like this? You know, should we pray for her to die? Mm -hmm. should, should we pray for God to take her? Mm -hmm. I mean, what... What's the right thing to do here? If you pray for her to live longer and she's miserable, is that a good thing? You know, and you're asking yourself these questions. But I also recognize that part of those were selfish questions. Because, you know, I'm alone and I'm... It's a dilemma. I love my wife. Uh, she was the love of my life. She is the love of my life. But she's, she's gone now. I've, I've got kind of the shell, but there's, there's not very much of her left. But about... So I've been on the cusp of this, you know, should I pray for her to get, you know, to live a long, comfortable life, or should I pray for, God? you know, I, I don't know. I don't know how to think about that. But one day, I don't know, maybe a year ago, maybe a year and a half ago, and by this time she had got to the place where she basically didn't speak. Mm -hmm. Basically no verbal communication. About half the time she seemed to recognize me, but maybe half the time, you know, blank stare, you know. Um, I looked at her as though she were a child with severe Down syndrome that was living a healthy life. You wouldn't pray for that child to die. Mm -hmm. You would say, "Look, this, 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 this is what, this is what this person has. Is their life miserable? And her life was not miserable. She could be smiley. She could be happy. Again, I'm going to get around to talking about the music here in a little bit. Uh, but even when she's not having a good time, she doesn't look like she's having a bad time. As a, as a sidebar, um, she was known as sickly. Mm. Our whole marriage. She had a migraine every day. Migraines are the worst." She had uh, irritable bowel that was with her most of the time. Mm -hmm. She had fibromyalgia, so she, you know her, her frame was always hurting her. And then she had a whole host of other things. She had a gallbladder out, and she'd have a mm -hmm. eye erosion, and just a lot of things that troubled her. And she was in pain all the time. Mm -hmm. She went into Alzheimer's, and then she went into Primrose, and then she lost her mind, if I can use that frank language. And all of her psychosomatic ailments went away. As far as time that she was on cannabis? Uh, no, 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 no. It was before that. It was before that. It but was when, when the dramatic brain change that, happened. It was when the dramatic yeah. brain change happened. Yeah. And as far as we can tell, she is in no pain. And she had not been in no pain for 40 years. The illnesses that Becky suffered from before all are related to endocannabinoid Deficiency. Tone deficiency. So, so what you're saying is that there, there could certainly be a connection there between her diminishment of her symptoms and the incident of her taking 
the cannabis. The stabilization of her endocannabinoid system. Yeah. So the fact that she is living a pain-free life, that she's ambulatory, um, the Primrose staff are really wonderful. They really go, go at the residence pace. There's lots of affection there, lots of support, lots of going at their speed. They're not regimenting them. They're, they're trying to let these people sort of be who they are in whatever pace they need, and they have to give them some structure. But, but pretty much they go at her speed. Um, there's a whole lot of people in this culture in this town that live a lot worse than that. Mm. And it's sort of like, and it came to me, it was like, Gary, you know, just give it over to God. Um, however long she's going to live, that's how long she's going to live. And her life is not a bad life. Maybe not the life she would have chosen. Maybe if she had the choice, she would not choose to live that life. But me standing out and looking at her, I now look at her as a as an adult child with Down syndrome who lives a kind of a, a kindly, mellow, right-paced, loving environment, comfortable life. Could it be worse? It could be a whole lot worse, a whole lot worse. So she was into music her whole life, and music just immersed her. All right, so, so now fast forward to Alzheimer's. So I can almost always get a rise out of her with some music. And sometimes she'll clap, uh, sometimes she'll try to sing along, sometimes she'll just smile, and sometimes she'll get it for a little bit and then she'll kind of wind down and just sort of be flat. Um, for about the first year and a half, and she had now pretty much lost her ability to speak, she kept perfect time. Mm -hmm. She moved to the music, and in perfect time to the music, even though she couldn't talk. Rhythm stays. So um, I think that music is kind of the high point of her life, and she's still responsive. It still gives her joy. I watch the, uh, the pleasure that it brings her. And, uh, you know, it says, you know, there's this... There's somebody really in there who's, who's appreciating something here that we maybe can't really apprehend, but it's real enough because you can see it here. I'd love to hear the difference from before she started using cannabis medicine, even at Primrose, to after she started using cannabis medicine. And also, um, if, it's, if it's been able to replace... I mean, is, our, is that basically all she's on now? Or is... Has, yeah. So maybe well... Um, so the strict answer is, um, when there's no problem, I leave well enough alone. <laughs> and in the two years that she's been on the marijuana, there's been no problem. So I, I haven't I haven't drilled down or dug in or you know are you playing with her other meds or anything else because. Um, she was in this really tough place and then we got her into primrose and we got her on the hard meds and that was starting to fade away and then we got on the marijuana and it's been great since then and so I can't answer your question very well because I it's like it, it, don't rock the boat yeah yeah that, that, that's that's exactly it it's like you know this is really working well and um, the doc says 
you're saving her all kinds of side effects or potential damage too. And I think he referenced liver and some other things that kind of like, the more of these meds you use, the more you're likely to have some complications here. They have black box warnings on them that are specifically not indicated for pe older people living with dementia. Yeah. Because it causes sudden death. Yeah. So, so it's like, I, I, all I can say is we started her on marijuana two years ago and she's been enormously stable for two years. How much of that's marijuana? How much of that is because she's kind of an odd profile with this FTD? How much of it is she's, she's at a phase that she's going to go out of? I don't know. But your sense is maybe it might be mitigating some of the other drugs based on what they're telling you. That's right. Yeah, they, they have said, you know, you really don't want to go there if you don't have to. And so we've not gone there because we didn't have to. And this works just fine. And, and, and that's all the more subtlety I can sort of produce. Have you spoken to your friends at church about medical cannabis? You know, it's an <laughs> Um, yeah, it, it, it's, it, so, uh, I, I, I come from a pretty conservative religious, uh, uh, tradition and, um, what I'm finding is people, even in traditional religious communities are seeing the value of intelligent use of cannabis. Do they know that your wife uses medical cannabis? Uh, we've been absolutely frank with everybody. We, we've not hold... So two thoughts. Okay, so I'd been watching my wife's memory problems for, I don't know, at least 18 months, maybe two years. And um, we took her to see a neurologist and he said, look, you, you, you're on these heavy meds for your, for your uh, migraines at Fioranol and Fioraset. He said, I got to get you off that before we can tell whether that's what's causing your memory issues or not. So it was six really pretty hard months weaning her off Fioranol and Fioraset. Then went back for another test and, and the memory issues were pretty much still there. And that's when we got set up to go see UC Meds, the Bruce Miller at UC Med Center and so on. Anyway, so, um, we went and we got diagnosed, and the diagnosis was Alzheimer's, and Becky was devastated. She says, I didn't see this coming. I said, sweetie, <laughs> we've been talking about, I mean, I wasn't scolding her. I mean, she literally, she was devastated. It was, it took her three months to recover just from the shock of having to confront that she has Alzheimer's, and I get it. But the surprise part, that, it was sort of like, really? Because <laughs> she's a smart woman. Okay. She, she forgot that she forgot. Yeah, right. She forgot that she kept forgetting. But here was something that basically was my position, which I, I don't know if I had to sell her on it or not, but I said, honey, we are not hiding this from anybody. You are not crazy. You're not the ant that's locked in the attic. You have a brain disease. We are not going to be embarrassed by the fact that you have a brain disease. We are going to tell everybody that has an interest in knowing or that has a need to know that you have Alzheimer's. Are we agreed? Yeah, that probably makes sense. And from 
from the get-go, we never apologized, we never act embarrassed that my wife has Alzheimer's. And I think it took a lot of weight off her because she could do something where she recognized that that was not that great. Mm -hmm. And she says, well, you know, that's the Alzheimer's speaking there, you know, and we just, it just became part of our life. Okay. The same thing was true when we did the medical marijuana. And this was back before marijuana was generally legal. It was medically legal back then, but it, it still had not been legal, generally speaking. It was like, look, this is a medical issue. We're using the mar marijuana medically. We are not going to tiptoe around or whisper. We're just going to talk frankly about it. And we have from, from the get-go. So everybody who knows anything about my wife and her condition knows that she has been taking medical marijuana for over two years. And so it just, it, it, it feels like part of the growth and maturation about this. And um, we, we could have a longer conversation about marijuana in general, okay? I'm not a, I'm not a user. But As in terms of... Have you thought about using CBD for stress? Um, actually, actually... I have a, um, a latent um, panic phenomena around my respiration. Mm -hmm. um, I had a variety of things that happened in my life where I couldn't breathe, mm -hmm. okay? And uh, I'm getting ready to do uh, hiking at 7,000 feet with a backpack on and um, uh, I've been pretty anxious above 5,000 feet without a backpack on for several years. But I've lost some weight. I've been working with my backpack, so I've been stressing myself. But I was with a couple of guys up in the hills pretty recently. And this one guy had said, you know, um, I had a panic attack at 9,500 feet backpacking here. And a buddy there had some CBD oil. And he said, two doses, and, the, and my respiratory panic basically went away, and I went back to a normal respiration. And I said, no fooling. He said, yeah. So I asked around, and I see a healthcare practitioner here in town who has a bricks-and-mortar store of supplements and tinctures and so on and so forth. And I asked her about it. She says, yeah, we have CBD oil here. And so I've taken it a couple times just to try it on for size. So I've got it in my backpack. So I don't take it for that, but I've got it for that. So if, if I get to the kind of place where I sort of can't catch my breath and it starts to kick in the anxiety response, I'm carrying around CBD oil in my backpack to say, I understand this can actually take the edge off your a respiratory, an ang a respiratory anxiety kind of attack pretty quickly. And it's like, okay, I'm, 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 I'm ready to try that. I'm ready to try that. So, um, so the answer is yes. That was a long answer to say yes, but answer. the answer was yes. Answer. So it's somebody, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, great. I'm, I'm very pleased okay. that we, we're taking a step, I think, in the right direction to yeah. sort of say, let's, Let's intelligently decide. So, so let, me, let me give you my spin. Okay. God created cannabis. Why did he create cannabis? Well, I'm not sure. 
But as stewards of the earth, we're supposed to see what, what are the blessings of the earth and what are we supposed to learn from these things. And uh, it's certainly fully consonant with my belief system that God placed things here on earth for us to be benefiting from. Um, in the scriptures, they talk about herbs. And um, cannabis is certainly an herb. And they're, used to be, they're to be used wisely, used with thanksgiving. And uh, we just sort of excluded cannabis for a while because it had kind of a bad rep, okay? So um, I'm prepared to embrace it as medicine. Well, yeah. Becky completed her journey in January and is now back in God's arms. They were religious, social, and political conservatives, and dementia brought them to a place where they had to try something that's new and different. Something bold. We can't thank Gary enough for sharing Becky's story with us. I was really moved by Gary and Becky's story when I heard him speak at Medical Cannabis 2.0. Check out the link to the panel in the show description. They were so lucky to have access to a progressive residential care facility for the elderly. Primrose is an extraordinary facility in Santa Rosa, California that is family owned and operated. In episode six, you'll hear from both the owner and director of nursing at Primrose about how cannabis helps dementia in a facility setting. They gave us their first interview ever about cannabis medicine, even though they've been using it legally for 15 years. Yeah, even in legal California, this plant medicine still needs to be recommended by a doctor for people living with dementia in facilities. Cannabis is not prescribed like other medicines. Dr. Hergenrather discusses this in episode three. Dr. Jeff Hergenrather also explains the difference between federally funded nursing homes and residential care facilities for the elderly and how states with medical cannabis laws can allow cannabis medicine to be used on the property. Despite cannabis medicine being legal in more than two-thirds of U.S. states, in order for people living with dementia to get some relief today, we need to get cannabis descheduled and open up the Schedule One of Drugs for research. Contact your senators, representatives, and the president and let them know that you want to deschedule cannabis and to open up the Schedule One for research at the very least. Do you want to tell your story of how cannabis helps dementia? Leave a voice message at anchor.fm slash cannabis helps dementia. Drop us a note or connect with us on the socials. And please subscribe to get notifications when new episodes drop. Check out the Society of Cannabis Clinicians website and find real medical professionals familiar with cannabis medicine in your area. Because you remember, we're not doctors, just family caregivers turned advocates. We hope you are inspired by Episode 5 with Gary and Becky Beal. And don't forget, download, like, and share what you learn. Cannabis helps dementia. Why don't you get wise? Get up and get out. Get rid of that frown that's been dragging you down. And get up in the air. Just pretend that you can fly. You'll never know if you can. Be able and strong Give vent to that intent you've had And up for so long Come on, come on up and see